Welcome to Thousand Generations Podcast, hosted by Dan and Chad Bohai, a father and son duo committed to pursuing God's dream and desire of faithfulness to Jesus and living to see the gospel of his kingdom pass from one generation to the next, to a thousand generations. Thank you for joining us on our journey as we hope to encourage you on yours. Hey, everybody, Chad and Dan coming at you again with episode number 10 of Thousand Generations. We are in the double digits, Dad. Good job. So we only have 990 to go before we get to 1,000. We just plan on going week in and week out until the Lord says different. Um, Just as we begin this episode in the double digits, we are continuing a conversation we started last week on, uh, I don't know if I want to call them common hindrances to healing, but just hindrances to healing um, of dynamics, whether it's uh, like disappointment, discouragement. We unpacked that last week. Dad mostly did at length. So please listen to that as this is a continuation of that conversation. But Dad, when we think about healing, when we think about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8, around this issue of healing, it's it's sometimes it's hard to believe that. Because like, you know, I was we were down south in Santa Barbara and I couldn't sleep one night, and it was just so fun um reading through the scriptures and seeing the highlight reel, if you will, of, of healings and breakthrough and exorcisms and just this flurry of activity, it seems like this dynamic of Jesus's kingdom ministry might be the most contested. And you've identified at least 12, 10 to 12 various hindrances. And just as we begin, hopefully just to like defeat any arguments that are already rising up, this is not to bully people, to browbeat people, or for any anything of that spirit, if they're not experiencing full restoration breakthrough or God's healing touch. So that's not what this is. This is the the, the whole goal of these podcasts and specifically these things dad is going to be sharing are to allow faith to arise in your heart. Jesus never said, according to your lack of faith, let it be done to you. But it was always according to your faith, let it be done to you. And so our hope is we name these hindrances, maybe something opens up inside of you to reach again for the promise and power and presence of God for whatever you're walking through, or to take a leap of, uh, of, of faith and risk to pray for Jesus's breakthrough, miracle-working power to operate in someone else's impossible situation. That's our heart and hope in these episodes when we talk about various hindrances to healing flowing to us and then through us to those around us. So dad, pick us up now on number two, of, of the list of, of common hindrances to healing. I, I, I love that how you set that up, Chad. We're not here to argue with anybody. We're trying to encourage people to do whatever we can to remove anything that blocks what Jesus has already provided for. So that's the goal. Um, we know that in the Gospels, it didn't actually, it didn't record everything Jesus did because there wasn't enough books to record everything he did. 
But we do know that the whole Bible, we believe as a father and son, is all Holy Spirit inspired. So everything that's in the gospel narrative is there because the Holy Spirit wanted it there. And there's not one example of anybody who ever came to Jesus for healing that he didn't heal. And so that was something the Holy Spirit wanted in the Bible. And so if Jesus is the same right now as he was then, and we are his body now, then he wants healing to be flowing through his body to touch people, just like it flowed through his personal body to touch people. And so we know he hasn't changed. So there has to be hindrances. There has to be something blocking it. And so that's why we're going through this process of maybe trying to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to eliminate these hindrances to healing. So I think number two, uh, number two on the list of hindrances to healing is bad theology. I think bad theology is a big one, man. Like, I think there are lots of mainline evangelical denominations that don't believe that physical healing is actually in the same sacrifice of the atonement as forgiveness of sins. And I think that's an atrocity. Like, I think if we if we just read like one passage in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, there's five things that he did for us in his sacrifice. He carried our pain. He forgave our sins. He cleansed our nature. He delivered our minds and he healed our bodies. And it's all the same sacrifice. And so for people to say that healing is not in the atonement, well, then how do people, how can somebody even have faith? I think of the verses in James 5, maybe 15 and 16, where, where healing and forgiveness, forgiveness and healing are interchanged on the same line, where if you just pray a prayer of faith, people are healed, and if they've sinned, they're forgiven. It's the same sacrifice. And if you confess your sins, you can pray and people are healed. So forgiveness and healing, same hmm. line, same sacrifice. So I don't, man. And, I, and I even Je- and even Jesus in Mark chapter two, with the paralytic, which is easier, to say to the paralyzed guy, "Get up," or to tell him his sins are forgiven, but so that you know the Son of Man has authority. So we're dealing with a Savior who is more sufficient and more powerful. He holds the keys of life and Hades. He has all power and authority. Nothing is difficult for him as it pertains to him manifesting or actualizing the full merits and reality of salvation. So I love that you brought that up in James, that it's confessing sins and healing. This is what Jesus modeled for, for us and is throughout his whole ministry. So keep yeah, going. Um, well, I just want to do, you know, we only do these short 20-minute snippets, which is perfect because I love, I love doing this with you, Chad. I hope we can do this for, I hope we can do this forever. I hope we can carve out a half hour a day together since we live so far apart. But I think about verses like Galatians 3.13, where Jesus became the curse to redeem us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law was spiritual poverty, physical poverty, and financial poverty. In other words, it was spiritual death. We're born dying because we have sin. We need a new nature. It's physical death. We're born dying physically because sin entered the world. Now there's sickness and disease. And we're born having to strive and labor with a broken back. There's a poverty spirit over the whole human race. 
and Jesus reversed the curse. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice made it so everything that all of us deserve went on him, so all of us can get what he deserves. And that should be preached as normal theology. And I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And if churches believe that Jesus's blood can forgive sins, then people are going to hear a thousand sermons and they're going to have faith to believe Jesus can forgive sins because they've heard it. Faith comes by hearing. But if they don't hear the same blood has the power to heal your body, they're not going to have the same level of faith because all of us have been given a measure of faith, but the measure we're operating in is the measure of the word that we're hearing. And most people have heard 10 to 1 sermons. There's power to forgive over there's power to heal. And it's the same sacrifice. And so if you want to make a comment, Chad, I have like three or four more verses, but if you'd like to interject something. So let me just, let me add a few more comments I like Romans 1.16, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe, okay? Um, for the Jew first, then the Gentile, which tells me he wants all Jewish people saved first. They rejected, so now we have a chance, but he still wants them saved. But salvation, Chad, salvation, if, if all you're taught is salvation is forgiveness so you can get to heaven someday, you're missing what the word even means. Salvation is forgiveness, cleansing, deliverance, healing, prosperity, peace, joy, protection, guidance, relationship. Like salvation is a package deal. It's not getting you out of here. It's getting heaven into you. That's what salvation is. I love Psalms 103, 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Same line. Either we believe the Bible is good theology or we don't. But I think a lot of people have been taught, well, God doesn't want to heal everybody. God doesn't heal everybody. Well, that would be like saying, well, God doesn't want to forgive everybody because it's on the same line. I think of Jeremiah 30, verse 17, prophesying about Jesus and what he would do when he showed up. And it says, he will be the healer of all your diseases. All your sicknesses will be healed by him. And the last verse that I wanted to point out is Jeremiah 33, 6 through 8. And it touches on the three things that Jesus would do. It's prophetically saying, number one, his sacrifice will heal all your sicknesses. His sacrifice will heal all your diseases. And then it says, his sacrifice will provide forgiveness for all your sins. Pardon for all your sins. But then it goes on to say his sacrifice will provide cleansing for all your nature, your iniquity. So we have physical healing. We have, we have forgiveness of sins. We have purity of heart. And when all that takes place, it's really easy to take authority and get rid of things so your mind can be set free. So I can't find anywhere in the scriptures where the sacrifice or the atonement of Jesus is limited to forgiveness of sins. I think he came to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil has messed with people's minds, with people's bodies, with people's finances, with, with people's families, with people's vision. And so Jesus paid a price. And we do people a disservice by saying, well, he doesn't always want to heal, but he always wants to forgive because we can't prove it biblically. We can prove it with our circumstances, which proves there's hindrances, blocking, 
what Jesus' sacrifice actually wants to provide for all of us. I think it's, I think it's, I, I was raised chatty. Um, I don't know if you were as much as me, but I was raised in a culture of church where I heard a lot of prayers like this from leadership. Lord, if it's your will, heal them. And I don't know what Jesus thinks when he hears that, because what does he have to do to prove to us that it's his will to heal us? When he says over and over again, by my stripes, you were healed. And so I came to heal. I came to deliver. That's what I came to do. And so, you know, there's 600 and some verses that say God really wants to purify and cleanse and make holy from the inside out. There's over 240 verses that say God wants to heal. And so for us to try to pick and slice and dice what Jesus' sacrifice is and limit it to just a little area of our spirit man, but not to affect the soul and the body, I think it's I think it's an offense to Jesus. So I think bad theology, Chad, is a real culprit. Okay. That's what I and think. And so maybe, but, maybe, maybe we can just stop right there. So what you just modeled it for us. So if I was raised in a tradition that, like you said, gave little to, to no conversation about physical healing or mental healing, transformation of your heart, of your uh, of your nature, um, how do I how do, how do I grow? How do I grow? I kind of know the answer. I'm just giving you a softball. I mean, just live in the gospels, right? Like. If our whole life is patterned after after the way, truth, and life of Jesus, as I am, so you will be in this world. Whoever claims to live in me must walk as Jesus did, 1 John 2, 6. Greater works than these you will do, right? John 14, 12 through 14, because I go to the Father, and he's going to glorify me by what you ask for me to do in my name. So the, the, the remedy to bad theology, or we might say just a low view of the full work of the atoning work of Jesus. I know you're in a season where you're just living in the Gospels in the book of Acts, not because you don't think the whole canon is inspired, but again, it's just to immerse yourself in a Jesus-saturated reality. And I think one of the things that's a hindrance to bad theology is that, that you, you alluded to it, the reference you, you quoted was 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And this is why I just think one of the small reasons exorcisms were so common through his ministry, like, geez, was everyone in the Mediterranean, like Galilee, demon-possessed? And it was because, like, for his kingdom to be established, to reign and to rule, the inferior kingdom had to be pushed out. And I think we don't have a grid for that. There's no neutral space. Right. Like there is the prince of this world, the ruler of the air, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and there's the prince of peace, the king of kings on David's throne that has the government on his shoulders. And so when that kingdom, the kingdom that Christ is bringing to bear in the earth, that means there's going to be a displacement, mm. right? And so maybe one of the, maybe you can unpack this, just let's just, let's just stay right here. The, if God is the one who does, who orchestrates your sick, like, like, God just gave this to me. Like, that's another thing you'll hear. Like, you know, yes, okay, I don't want to answer my own question. I want you to try to stab, take a stab at that. I think uh, the flip side to bad theology is you don't have a Satan in your theology. God is the author of everything. And so therefore, 
we, you just take everything you're experiencing, be it physical ailments, mental struggles, uh, maybe even sexual struggles, whatever it is, if you don't have a, a theology of Satan, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as one who's meant to be driven out and his works are meant to be thwarted and destroyed through the power of Christ, then of course you're just going to take anything that comes at you and you know, well, I'm just, I'm God's, it's not that, I think my question is clear. How, how do you combat that? Maybe my question wasn't clear about a, another realm of bad theology is not taking uh, seriously the reality that there is an actual enemy who wants to still kill and destroy. Does that make sense or no? How would you combat that? Or combat is a bad word. How would you bring clarity to that? Well, every time Jesus would send anybody out to represent him in his kingdom, every single time, we call them commissioning accounts. Whether it's the 12 disciples, whether it's 72, whether it's all believers, it doesn't matter. Anytime Jesus would send anybody out to represent him and preach the kingdom, he always gave them power and authority to get rid of demons, to heal every sickness and every disease so they could preach the kingdom. Well, he hadn't changed. The world's still fallen. He hasn't come back for the second time to eliminate all of his enemies and get rid of Satan. And so everywhere we go, we still need the the authority and power that Jesus has given us to get rid of demons, to heal the sick, and to preach the kingdom. So I think the only way to overcome bad theology is to repent, start with changing your mind and saying, okay, I'm not replicating what Jesus says we should be doing, so it can't be on his end. I must have believed something wrong and go to the Bible with an unclouded lens. Like, don't try to look through it with what people told you it said. Actually read it with the help of the author and let him show you personally what it's saying right now. Because his word is eternal. It hasn't changed. And it's amazing what a little bit of faith and humility will do when we approach the word. If we approach the word to try to win a fight, God can't speak to us. If we approach the word to try to, you know, win an argument, he can't speak to us. But if we approach the word to know his heart, to know his emotions, to know his feelings, he's more than ready to share his heart with us. And if we could actually see what the scriptures say about his desire to heal and deliver and set people free, we would want to be doing what Jesus does because he lives inside of all of us. That's the longing for all of us to see what only God can do happen. And he's waiting for us to believe so it can happen. So to answer your question, Chad, I think we just need to be humble and come back to the word and fall in love with the word and let the word become flesh in us. So it releases the life of Jesus wherever we go. And so I hope that answers your question better. That's so, that's so good. That's so good. Why don't you just pray for us, for God to put just a hunger, just even for the gospels, just to see and to get swept up again and the story of Jesus and his kingdom breaking in and that we would begin to just have new lenses to see the possibilities around us for the king and his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't you just pray for us? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that we don't have to have bad theology, that we can actually believe your word. We can't make up new theologies, Lord, because of disappointment. 
but we can actually learn to believe what your word says, even though it doesn't appear to be happening yet. Because belief has to start in our heart. It'll, it'll move to our head, but it has to start in our heart. And so, Lord, I pray you give us a hunger for the word and you give us new eyes, like enlighten our spiritual eyes so we can actually see it, so we can actually hear what you're saying to the churches in these days. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you did pay a price where you could actually say it's finished. Everything we would ever need for life and godliness, you paid for it in your sacrifice. And so, Lord, I bless everyone who will watch this on the podcast platforms, on YouTube, on Facebook. I just pray you'd bless them with, uh, with a hunger to know the truth, because the truth that we know sets us free. And we love you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode on Hendrix's The Healing. If it's been a blessing to you, do us a favor, leave a comment or a review or share uh, with friends, family, people that you think will be blessed by these conversations. We will see you next time.